right, well, uh, welcome everybody to uh, episode 13 of the Hockey Toolkit. I am Trevor DiCarlo. Dreaded number 13. Scary. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Pavel Datsuk changed that game. He Pavel did. Datsuk, when he wore 13, it's like everybody wanted to wear 13 after that. All the kids now, we, we never have 13 unused. I would never touch it, but uh, my co-host there, Andrew Trimble, but uh, yeah, I would never touch 13 <laughs> in my life depending on it just because of my superstitions, but uh, this is uh, going to be a great episode because I think it uh, it definitely comes with after the last one we had with talking about uh, recruiting for the co- you know the college level. Now we're talking about recruiting in the uh, to the junior level, which uh, obviously both of us have experienced you at a much more extensive and higher level than I do. But it's uh, it's definitely something that's really in our wheelhouse, um, and it's also that time of the year where this hopefully will uh, produce a lot of good you know information for families. We have a great interview with uh, Neil Ravine um, that we will share, and then um, but yeah, I mean so. But before we get into all that, uh, what have you been up to, Coach? Well, I just got back from doing a, a USA Hockey camp down in Atlanta. It was a lot of fun. I actually, for the first time ever. I, ah, you know, I, I have driven in, in my life from New Jersey to New Orleans. That was about a 24-hour trip. I've driven from Jacksonville to New Jersey, which was like a 20-hour 20, 20 trip. But I drove from New Hampshire this time all the way down to Atlanta. That was about a 19, 18, 19-hour trip. That was quite a, uh, a venture. I have a sunburn on my left arm, which is <laughs> always interesting driving yeah. through, uh, you know, the western part of Virginia. But it was a great weekend. I got to see some good hockey and interact in a great, uh, a great community. So, uh, but I'm happy, happy to be back here in New Hampshire. How about yourself, Trevor? Oh, uh, good. We, uh, so the, the nine U team that I'm coaching right now, we just had our, uh, first tournament of the spring, uh, the one nice. of two. Yeah. So again, it's very informal kind of season, you know, just, I think this, we had three practices beforehand. So, and you got kids that are just moving on from different teams, uh, you know, either way. Uh, it was actually really fun um, because because we actually won three games. Uh, we lost in the championship to uh, by two. Uh, lost four to two. But uh, you know what? it was it was fun because you know we talked about it before going back uh, last few years. I've been working with older kids, and now I'm working with the real young ones. And uh, I don't think I would go much younger than nine U uh, the square level. But uh, it was fun. I, you know, I really had a blast because there's just so much. It wasn't not even as technical, but it was just it was just more fun. It was just like the kids are you could focus on more basic stuff and and see more results and in a short amount of time. Um, so again, for me, it was we had a blast, my assistant and I. Um, and uh, so hopefully the next one we take it down. Uh, if not, uh, we'll be okay still because it'll still be a good time. So that's so teaching that that age group coaching that age group is is always really fun because you have you can see a huge jump over the course of the season like they can go from being one level to at the end of the season they really start to understand the game and concepts and it's amazing but the also the fun thing is you can actually you know we we watch the national championship game with Quinnipiac they won basically on a on a faceoff if you put a faceoff player too in at that level and the kids all five kids can be on the same page. The other kids they're playing against really don't understand what's going on. Like play away from the puck. <laughs> no. So if you if you can execute a faceoff play at the nine U level, like 
it's pretty. It, it's got a pretty high conversion rate. <laughs> yeah, I mean it would. I'll have to find a parking lot to work on that because I, I would probably, uh, I would be very disappointed in myself if I spent any time that little we have on the ice right now working on a face-off play. But yeah, no, we definitely. Uh, oh, if we had some just a little something hidden here, how we could run the same one probably off of the same face-off over and over again, and nobody totally. would even like, know. Like a D-zone face-off where you stretch, like you go indirect off the the weak side boards and you have that winger coming through um, like you can stretch the zone and all of a sudden you oh, get yeah. breakaways, two on ones and, and the D's are just totally flat footed. So not, not, I'm not telling you how to coach. No, Hey, I, I'll take any tips that I can. I'm not a guy <laughs> here. So I don't get all the answers, but uh, yeah, no. So that was fun. Um, so when you said you were down in, uh, it, it was ran through USA hockey, the showcase. It was a Saha. So that's a, it's um, a player development camp. So, okay. Um, they have kids in all different birth years trying out. They want to move from that level onto, I believe it's in Raleigh, the district camp. Yeah, and okay, the be- yeah. The best players of the district camp then go on to Buffalo. So I was part of the uh, part of the evaluation process in that. And uh, we've had some really good players come through that that camp, and um, it, it's, it's fun to watch the sport grow. I know the numbers have dipped a little bit in the Southern District since the Thrashers left you know, a number of years ago, but uh, Nashville's really become the hotbed. Uh, but they still try to do it in different locations each year so that, you know, you're not just favoring one location. So this year was in Atlanta. Yeah. So I know like Illinois has theirs. Um, <clears throat> we just got done with ours as well. So then they those kids move on to their, you know, we call them the ID camps or whatever, the identification camps. Um, so, yeah, those are, uh, it's very cool. Um, and then, uh, so what, what else is on the docket here for the uh, coming up? Any, anything at all? I mean, I know you got, uh, I mean, for you, this is basically the, uh, not that it's not a regular grind every day, but uh, you know now you now you got to rebuild the the teams and the programs with uh, the missing pieces that are you know have left or moved on, um, aged out. Uh, you know, so what what does that look like? Well, that is a Trevor. You know, you you don't give yourself enough credit. That is the perfect segue. I know into I know. our topic for the day. I know, I know. I didn't want to say anything. I was like, all right, let's see if we how smooth Man, I can make who, it. But like, I, I, we're getting better. We're, I'm nervous we're talking to you. You're getting really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> Only took us thirteen weeks, but we're getting there. <laughs> yeah, so now it's junior it's junior hockey recruiting season. Like we we have our youth rosters basically set. We had tryouts in the in uh, you know after USA Hockey, whatever you know during during that tryout time period. Yep. We were able to fill our rosters. Our rosters look really strong. We only have three teams at the youth level, but it's a it's an ongoing process to recruit your junior hockey teams, and it used to be. You know, 20 years ago, you could have a tryout camp. You'd have 100 kids sign up. They would play against each other. You could evaluate them over the course of the weekend. But junior hockey expanded a lot over yeah. the last 15 years. So now you really – you might have a small tryout and be able to identify some players, but really you have to go outside your borders, outside your walls, outside your comfort zone, and you have to go find players, and you got to recruit those players. And that brings us into, you know, uh, talking about junior hockey showcases. You know, in your experience recruiting, what are some of the best showcases that you've seen in terms of identifying players? Uh, for one, uh, one that we definitely do touch on when we talk with Neil here is uh, CCM Showcase was probably one of the best ones that I've ever attended. Um, just not only from the the quality of kids, but also the quality of the showcase itself. Um, 
you know, hands down. I don't think there's any better ones. Um, <clears throat> well, the other the other one that I, I do like was uh, the Global Hockey Showcase. We have one here in Chicago. There's also one in Las Vegas. I know that one's more popular to go to for, well, obvious reasons. But, uh, you know, uh, those are the two that I've really enjoyed going to. I've been to a few others. Um, but, you know what, honestly, they're with leagues doing their own thing now. We're seeing few and far between individual, see individual, but like, you know, just individual businesses running their own showcase. I mean, I know Five Holes no longer around. Um, that was one that was pretty popular that we, you know we attended. Mister um, Mister, I don't think he's even around anymore. Um, so, you know, those are those are the two that I've Global and CCM are the two that I've really got, liked going to. And don't get me wrong, I like CCM because they usually give us free gear. So uh, that was always nice too. But um, and it's beautiful out in Colorado. But uh, how about yourself? Where what do you got? Well, I would be agree one hundred percent. I think um, you, when you go to a showcase, you really want you want a rink that's a, a high quality rink, right? CCM checks off that box. It's a three sheet facility which has great sight lines where you can watch multiple games at one time. Yep. Um, you also want something that's well run. When you when you go in there to see a game or see a player, it's going to start on time. CCM always does that. Yep. Access to the players, they give you a player player um, book. You have access to that player's information. You can also talk to players. That's something we can maybe talk on a little bit later. How kind of sometimes uh, people bend the rules on that, but oh, I, yeah. I do <laughs> I do think that they give a really good access to players, and then they also. Do a lot of informational seminars, too, during the CCM Showcase. So in my opinion, uh, I think Mike Gempler runs a great, great program out there in, in Denver, Colorado. And uh, CCM Showcase is, is the top of the heap. There's other ones, like you said, global and different things that happen out in the East Coast, like you know the Battle of Boston or the pre-draft. And we'll go to those events, too, but nothing really brings kids in like a big event. And CCM certainly does that. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you really want to – we could – dive in right now to uh you know talking about our experiences with you know the ccm or itself or just showcases in general you know where you said you know where there's sometimes rules are bent and you know for those listening that are not coaches that are not uh you know scouts you know anyone that's a parent or player like there are when we go to showcases quality showcases have rules for the coaches you know gms scouts recruiters so uh, you know assistant coaches whatever they have rules for us that we need to you know we're supposed to abide by um and one of those big ones is you know waiting till after a player's left the locker room to go and talk to them and i can't even tell you how many times we go to you know these tournament or these showcases and kids not even off the ice yet and there's at least three teams hounding them and it's the same DM three teams. I'm not going to throw them out uh, under the bus as much as I want to, but <clears throat> my God, is it... It's one thing that frustrates a lot of the rest of us because then it's like, well, if you don't get in front of the kid first, you know, you're now behind the... If you feel like you're behind the eight ball, you feel like you're feeling... You're, you're missing out, you know? Um, so, for I mean, there's a bunch of other, you know, small little rules here, and there's... But you never know. Uh, there's sometimes there's some gamesmanship going on. I remember one time we signed a player in front of the entire uh, – in the middle of a showcase. Um, <clears throat> this was at uh, – God, it was at uh, – what was it? If it was Five Hole, we signed probably one of the top, more talented uh, defensemen there. Uh, he came in with uh, his contract to be signed. 
and it was signed it right in front of, like in the middle of the lobby, and it was not any intention of ours to have that happen, but it was just <laughs> like, <clears throat> after that, we could just see all the pissed off coaches there, and it was from other leagues, and so yeah, it was, uh, that one was kind of, that one was kind of fun, being on the, the the actual other end of that, but if I I could totally see that if I had been working trying to work with that kid and that family to try to get him to sign with us, and then all of a sudden just see him come in like that, I would I, I could be probably a little pissed too. But what about you, Coach? Well, I I, I agree with all those sentiments. I think that um, you know the way you communicate says a lot about your program and what you want to have out of your players. Uh, the one other pro, one other showcase that I just came to mind that I, I think is a really well run pro, uh, summer program is the Elite Edge in Nashville. Uh, they get a lot of swag for their players. One thing I like about them that they do a little bit different than CCM is they give feedback on every player. So every kid, kid comes out of the tournament and has feedback on their game from a particular coach. And I thought that was really helpful for a lot of kids. Oh, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. So, like, if you can combine the two to create an ideal program, you know, that's probably somewhere, uh, you know, a combination of CCM and Elite Edge. But the, like you said, the, the one thing I think that can really benefit or kids can look into is – how your coach is communicating with you. Is he breaking the rules? Is he um, interrupting other people? Is he pushing people aside? Is he um, disregarding some of the other kids in the, in the, in the, in the tournament? Uh, you know, that says a lot about the program that he's running. So, you know, if you want that respect from the players, the coach should show that respect too. And I think that it says a lot. Um, now, if you had to kind of pinpoint some things that um, are really important, in the recruiting process for a junior player, what things really stand out to you about a player coming into your program that you want to have in your program from a junior player? Uh, you know, some of the big things are just what we, you would want from a, a regular human being um, for any type of thing, whether it's school, business. Um, you want you want good character people. Um, I want to make sure that the kid that you know that's coming into our program, he's you know he. he he keeps his nose out of trouble, you know, and again, kids are going to be kids, uh, you, know, you know, they're not kids, but teenagers will be teenagers at times, but I don't want someone who's, con, you know, consistently in trouble, someone who's missing class all the time, who doesn't have, you know, who's not taking their grades seriously, um, because that that just translates somewhat over to the ice rink as well. Um, I'm not saying, you, again, you have to be the most studious of all, you know, players, but, or people, but at least make an effort. Um, again, it's, it's also how you hold yourself. I don't, you know, I don't want to look and see you as, you know, wearing all just, you know, baggy clothes or, you know, shirts that say stupid shit on them, you know, um, you know, stuff like that. I mean, those days, some of those days are over, but, uh, again, it's, it's how you hold yourself, you know, be, you know, the confidence factor. And again, I get it. Kids at a younger age, you know, probably more so now than ever before, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and it's a lot, it's tough to be confident. Um, there's a lot of, uh, it's tough to find quality role models in today's society that can give you that, uh, I'm not trying to go down like it's something like, you know, emotional pitch here, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I get, I understand it, but it's, it's how you carry yourself. And, you know, the kids that I'm, we were always looking for were, you know, the kid, the good hardworking kids, uh, you know, and when I say good, I mean talented, but you know, they were hardworking and I, I, again, I always enjoyed watching on the ice kids that were, again, it's a showcase, but you know what? they weren't afraid to actually play like it was a regular game. Like it was game seven uh, to an extent, you know, and you could sit there and say, oh, it's, you know, Johnny Tryhard, but no, it's like, I want to see your best stuff. And when you've got kids out here trying to do, you know, 
all these different toe drags and dumb, you know, and dumb spots that would never happen. Well, maybe in their game it does, but should never happen in that situation of a game. Like that's not what I'm looking for in that situation. I'm looking for the guy who's going to make the right play. So uh, for me, that was my big thing was just, you know, body language, um, how you carry yourself, how you dress, um, you know, again, same thing you would look for probably for anything, even a job. So how about you, coach? Well, I think those are great, and I agree with those. I, I think that there's a baseline skill set that if you want to play in, in our league or in a league that's similar to ours, that you have to be. And I can usually see that baseline skill set you know, within a couple shifts. You know, if yeah. you can skate, pass the puck, handle the puck, make decisions with the puck, shoot the puck, um, we can really identify those pretty early. But the things that really matter and really get me excited about wanting to have you in my program or our program is – Humility and accountability. Um, if, if you're humble in that communication and you're not, you're not talking about yourself, but you're talking about how the team did or talking about your experience and what, what that experience means, then that's important. If you're accountable and saying, wow, you know, I, I missed a couple here. I could have done this here. Like that says a lot to me. Not that you're just pumping your tires all the time, but that you want to be, you, you realize you can get better. Absolutely. And Neil mentions a great thing uh, when we talked about Blake Harlow and I, and I, and it's it's one thing, you know, Blake Harlow is a memorable player in our program for a lot of different reasons. But, uh, you know, he played for the Wolves for two years and he had a great career at UMass Dartmouth. He's now working. He's an, he's an engineer in Boston. Uh, but I was his EHL coach uh, in 2017-18. He was the captain of our team. Um, I first found him at a showcase, uh, I believe it was a summer tournament or something like that. And uh, when I was his coach, he we were in the middle of a playoff run. It was probably February. And he he showed up for the game and he forgot his jersey. Oh no! Right, so that's taking a roster spot from somebody else. Uh, that's that's not you know it happens in youth hockey, happens everywhere. But for this particular road game, he forgot his jersey and he was so angry at himself. He was so upset. He said, "No, coach, this is a thousand percent on me. I am embarrassed. I'm letting my team down." Uh, and he he beat himself up about it, you know. And then the next day in practice, I made him. You know, skate both sessions with the, our premier team and also the EHL team. Um, and he had some other things he had to do. But um, he was, it wasn't like he was pointing fingers and saying, oh, somebody didn't pack my bag or, or can, I wear the, can I wear the backup goalie's jersey? He said, no, this is on me. I screwed up. This is 100% my fault. And, you know, you like, like to look for kids who can take that kind of uh, mantle of leadership. And in that game, you know, another kid st- stepped up and murdered Xander Allen in the game that, Blake Harlow missed. Xander Allen, and Xander Allen hadn't scored a goal all year and uh, went out and scored four goals in that one game because <laughs> he, he replaced Blake Harlow on the power play in a couple other situations. And uh, he ended up making a commitment to Framingham State and was a nice player there. And um, But it, it's funny how, like, when it's one, kid's, one kid that's really valuable to the team takes ownership over that and doesn't point a finger, it gives another kid an opportunity to, to step into the limelight a little bit more. And that certainly happened on that day. No, absolutely. That's a great story. And, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, no, if, if your excuse is, oh, my mom didn't pack my jersey. Uh, <laughs> at that age, like, sorry, why are you even here? <laughs> but, no, that's, uh, that's, no, that's great. Uh, do we want to just swing it over to Neil uh, right now? Yeah, before we do that, I'd like to ask you a quick question. All right, go ahead. So you- he's going to hit on something that talks a little bit about emails. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, junior hockey, it's a global thing. You know, we get emails from kids from all across the country, all across multiple countries. 
Uh, what is an ideal email that you would receive? Tell me, tell me, kind of break it down a little bit for me. Um, you know, the big thing for me, the emails that I would receive, um, typically from my standpoint was when I was, you know, just as a, as a scout and not as a coach, um, more or less, I would be the one sending out the emails, but when I would get emails back, um, or get an email, typically it would be from players that would send out, you know, hi, you know, hi coach or hi, you know, Mr. DiCarlo. Um, my name is so-and-so I currently played this past season here. Uh, here are my stats. Here's a video of me playing, you know, um, this, this, and that, and that was it. And it was just like, they were never really like, I mean, for me to get an email, I was excited because I was just like, wow, this works both ways. Uh, I didn't realize that I could actually get stuff in my inbox. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, um, but besides once the, that factor, you know, wears off pretty quickly. Um, but after that, it's just like, okay, is this someone, you know, like if I was get a coach getting this, I'm like, I don't know, like, I mean, yeah, I would look at it or, I'd, you know, I'd maybe respond, but... It wasn't anything like the wow factor, I guess you could say. Like, and I can see where you know, like we talked about last week, Coach Power. You know, especially at the NCAA level, and you know, I can only imagine what you're going through. You know, in the AHL with the Wolves, like after a while, those emails get just redundant, and there it feels yeah. like you're just reading the same thing. And I'm sure a lot of them are copy and paste, and I'm sure a lot of them are, you know, just very bland and you know, basic. Nothing. Nothing that would make me feel any emotional connection towards like, oh, yeah, you know what? Let me go further and check this player out. And, again, you know, my experience as a scout or in slash recruiter, um, when I got the emails, it was a little bit different. But, again, I, like I said, I could I could see where on the flip side as a coach or GM or something, you know, you get those emails daily. And it's just like, like who who are you, you know? You might as well just erase the name and fill somebody else in because it's it feels like again it's the same thing. Uh, but what about you? I thought you know Coach Power brought in a couple you know important topics. He said that uh, you know keep it keep it short and sweet. Hit on a couple of things. Make sure you have an introduction that includes um, you know something personal like like an icebreaker like um, oh I like Laconia because I my aunt grew up near Lake Winnipesaukee or uh, I really love your guys' jersey scheme. That's the same colors as my high school whatever it may be to break the ice and create a connection there makes a big difference because it shows me that you're interested really in the program it's not just a form email uh and then video uh if you can send me a couple like links to a full game that's great if you can send me you know two or three clips that are not just you know big hits so there should be penalties or just <laughs> right. you know one timer goals like i want to see you know a little bit of a, a extended play where right? it's like a full shift or a full game because anybody can piece together you know five second bursts of just the finish of the play right but you need to see more to get a good scope and understanding of the player and i and i think that's i that's 100 percent. i've seen that numerous times especially when i would help out and look at emails and stuff or with the videos and even players at the uh you know when i'm coaching at the midget age group i've had players send stuff out to me um, because, you know, like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm moving from this program or this town here. Here's a video of me playing this, this and that. And yeah, you know, goalies love it. They love to send out their highlight reels of them making those quick saves. And 
I actually had a goalie this year who uh, came over late. Uh, his parents were looking for a team to put him on. And actually his video uh, that he had that he had created that for hopeful potential junior coaches down the you know the line, it wasn't just your quick three, five second saves. Like it was the lead up to the save. Like That's what, ha- what happened, like where the puck movement was and how he had to make those saves. And again, a lot of them were just routine saves, but it, it showed me here's what I do. I'm, you know, here's what it looks like, and you know, here's where you know I'm at my angles, like all this stuff. Where you know, usually you get goalies that send their highlight reels, and it's like three seconds, and the first second is just the shot in general, and you don't know. Again, you don't even know where the shot's coming from. Sometimes it could be you know from, it could be from the first third of the rink, and you're the sure. you know in the other team's defensive zone, and they're just dumping it in. Oh, hey, you made a great job, you know, catching on your paddle where. Anywhere else, it's like, oh, okay, well, now I see, oh, oh, shit, like, the puck moved from one side, I was cutting across the Royal Road here, you're you're making that big save, so uh, I agree with you that, uh, you know, give us a little bit more of an extended look, and I do like the fact that, you know, you mentioned shifts, I think shifts are important because now I'm seeing the whole picture, and not only that, but I don't think players realize that, uh, not to go off on a tangent here, not, you know, I will anyways, but, uh, <laughs> They don't realize that, you know, we want to see their entire game. So, yeah, that, that 15 seconds that lead up to a goal, that's great. But what about the other 15 seconds or 20 seconds before that, too? You know, like, what led up to that and how were you able to get there? Um, you know, going from, let's say, defense to offense, you know, if you're trying to show me a, being a playmaker or whatever. So, yeah, I do like those shifts. Uh, I like the extended shifts. Uh, whole games, definitely, if it's somebody that we're really interested in. But, uh, you know, for me, I, that's where I'm at. But how about for you uh, when you're getting those emails and such? Yeah, that's that's what we're really looking for. We're looking for those those longer extended sequences, uh, especially, the, like you said, with a goalie. Like if you're making a – if I see a whole bunch of recovery saves, it means you're probably not in the right position in the first place. <laughs> right, yeah. If you're you know, a lot so, of rebounds, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you need to see – like you said, the tracking at the beginning of the play to understand where that kid was on his angle, if he the rebound was his fault or somebody else's, or you know how he how he can handle those rebounds or how he's, he's handling his angles. So, and that's a good good segue over to, to Neil. Neil um, is the uh, associate commissioner of the EHL. Uh, Neil Robbins been in our league since the 2015-16 season. Uh, he's seen the league grow and go through some different changes but he's remained a constant in the growth of the league and he's done a great job in not only uh, marketing the league, but also marketing our players in the league onto college and, and beyond. So it's a good segue for him. We're looking forward to having him on the podcast. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast associate director for the EHL, Neil Raven. Thanks for coming on and joining us, Neil. Thanks for having me on guys. Last week we had Jason Power, the assistant coach at Lindenwood University, was talking about college recruiting, and I thought you'd be a great resource for us to discuss junior hockey recruiting and how much different those two landscapes are and the type of athletes you're getting and the type of questions you're getting. Now, to start us off, really, the first thing I want to hit on is, you know, you've been to a number of different showcases. You've seen a number of different uh, leagues operate, and when you've been out for like things like the CCM Showcase or the Global Vegas Showcase, what have you seen the type of athletes and the type of questions you're getting uh, from players about what makes the EHL different and recruiting those athletes to our league? 
So, yeah, I think right in the name, Eastern Hockey League, um, anybody that's not from the East, frankly, has no idea who we are, right? But it's why we go out to events like that because, you know, one success story leads to five success stories, which leads to 10 success stories, and you name it. I actually wore the CCM Showcase hat uh, tonight. I wasn't even planning on it. I just kind of grabbed it. But it it all makes sense that you asked that question to start, Andrew, because um, I've been going to the CCM Showcase for four or five years now, um, and the players that have come from that and been successful in our league are are numerous, right? And essentially when we go out there, we're trying to make sure that the players – at that event, know exactly what we have to offer. So um, one thing that's benefited, I think, our league is, um, you know, humbly, I'm the only league representative that I've ever seen at the CCM Showcase. Everybody else represents a team. I've never seen another league out there. And I think what that helps with our teams is, you know, say there's seven or there are eight teams out there. Of course, those seven or eight teams are, are selling them their individual programs, Right. But then you get, you get a family that comes up and talks to me and says, all right, now tell us the differences between those seven or eight programs, right? Because I really think that all of our programs um, are, are different in many different ways. Some have more host families than others. Some have more ice time than others. You name it. But ultimately, the end goal for all of our teams uh, is to place our kids into college hockey. And we've done a pretty, I would say, damn good job doing that for the past 10 years. Well, that, that you brought you hit on a really good topic there, Neil. Um, you know, when kids, what kind of questions those parents are asking? Because when you go program to program, every program is different. It's in a different location. It has a different rank. It has a different logo. It has different coaches. Every program is going to be different. There's merits and there's strong points to all programs. But what kind of questions are the most common questions kids ask of you in terms of getting into junior hockey? Uh, I mean, the, the most common question is how to get on a coach's radar, right? Because they, they, they want to know exactly how they're going to essentially make the team, right? So, um, you know, what I try and tell them to that question is, like, the, the easy thing to do for so many players, they think, is just to send video, right? I mean, goalies love to send themselves making saves, right? But whether whether it's our combines or, or other showcases um, – there are so many different ways to get notice outside of the way that you actually play the game, right? Um, you know, the way that you dress stands out, right? We had an EHL combine this past weekend, and there was a player that um, I bet you he, if you asked him, he wasn't even the best player at the event, right? But he was in a polo and khakis with dress shoes every single day. That stands out, right? Another way to get notice are, are the coaches – there's coaches on the bench at these events, right? Like CCM Showcase, there's always two coaches on every bench. I can tell you right now, if you go back to the bench and you're complaining about, uh, I mean, a missed call or somebody not getting me off the ice fast enough or not getting credit for the secondary assist, you name it, coaches notice that stuff, right? So the, the biggest question I get asked is, how do I get on a coach's radar, but I think it's twofold, right? How do I get on a coach's radar in a positive way? And how do I stay there, right? Because you don't want to get on a coach's radar as someone with a big X next to, the, next to their name because that coach doesn't want, to, doesn't want to talk to you anymore. So really that biggest question, um, first and foremost, is how do I get on a coach's radar? And really it's just um, good, strong communication and displaying strong characteristics as, as a player both on and off the ice. 
That's great, Neil. That's really, really uh, helpful information for a lot of listeners. You know, I get those common questions all the time too. And you're, you're right. You get a lot of kids who want to send video, but then when they show up, it's a very different player. Mm-hmm. It's a very different player who shows up in the building on the ice. And then actually, you know, when you interact with that player, some kids kind of hide behind the keyboard a little bit. They're really, yes. really good at emails, but when you want to have a conversation with them, it's a very different, very different scenario. Now, on the other end of the junior hockey recruiting, you also interact a lot with college coaches at some of our events and combines and showcases. What are some of the things that college coaches tell you about recruiting athletes in the EHL or the type of athletes that they're looking for coming out of our league? I would say college coaches look even more at the body language, right? Any college coach can log into Elite Prospects and see that so-and-so's got 20 points and 20 games, right? That, that's easy. It's the, it's the other little things that they do um, that, that help you win games, right? Because you know, in a perfect world, uh, the EHL's leading scorer puts up 70 points in the season, and he goes and puts up the same numbers in college the next year, right? But it doesn't always work like that because when you get into college, you're not in that same first-line power play role. You're trying to earn your spot, right? So for college coaches, they're looking for the players that block a shot, right, that take uh, – their, their shifts seriously. They don't max out over a minute and 15 seconds for their shifts. They take good, strong, short shifts. They change at the right time. College coaches, you know, I think, you know, not to discredit junior coaches, but they, they have a little bit more experience at times, right? So they're looking for little extra, you could even call them nitpicky pieces that help a player really stand out because when you get to that next level, the margin for error just shrinks, right? So, uh, you know, taking a longer shift could mean the difference between a goal or not. And, you know, you watch the way uh, all these postseason games ended, right? You know, uh, I I obviously am a Quinnipiac alum. I'm not sure if this was going to come up at all in the podcast, but uh, Quinnipiac won the Division 1 National (laughs) Championship 10 seconds in, right? 10 seconds in, and I've, I've spent so much time watching that goal back, but all it took was one player to just take a hair of a second off on his shift, right? The Minnesota player loses the faceoff and then is a little bit frustrated by it, then turns to see where his guy went, and in that split second, that's the game, right? So that's what college coaches really, for the most part, are looking for because that, that split second is the difference between winning and losing, and you know, at that level, winning and losing is just magnified. You know, that's a great point you bring up. I, you know, I remember sitting uh, at Plymouth State Ice Arena about four or five years ago, and uh, I was going to see Blake Harlow play. He was a freshman at UMass Dartmouth, and he was out of the lineup. Um, and I brought my kids there, and we got to hang out with him a little bit. Uh, you know, he was a great Wolves alum. And uh, we talked about, hey, you know, you know, you're in a couple games, you're out a couple games. What do you think you can attribute to that to? And he says, I coach, you know, we have so many more face-off plays at this level we have so many more um just structured plays that we're doing whereas you know that we don't really talk about the things we were doing in junior that basic habits of hockey whether it's stick positioning or angling or those kind of general hockey topics we're focused more on the set plays and the and the and the, uh, the face-offs that you don't really get in junior hockey because you have so many more other things you have to cover prior to that that's some great stuff neil trevor what do you got for neil Oh, uh, well, besides uh, two things. First thing, I think I have the same hat, but it looks better on you. Um, <laughs> the other one is uh, you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with uh, 
talking about the coaching, you know, you know, being on the right side of the, you know, being on the radar. Because uh, actually, what you just described, like that scenario, I remember same showcase. Uh, but we're talking about. I was sitting on the bench, and yeah, there was one kid who just. His teammates even didn't, and again, these are kids that he's never played with before, who had nothing wanted to do with him. They're pissed off because he was taking that minute twenty-five shift, and then he come back to the bench bitching about something. And finally, I was just like, I looked at him, and I was just like, dude, you're not helping your cause with anybody right now. And he just like looks at me, and he's just like. Oh my god, a coach is giving me feedback, and it's like, and it's not good. So, I mean, I think you hit really hit the nail on the head there. Um, you know, for players that are not, again, I mean, obviously both of you are a part of the AHL. Um, and again, we, we talked about CCM, but how would you say for a player that is, you know, in the Midwest or the South, you know, how do they get on the radar to, you know, take part and play in the e- EHL? Um, because you know, you you guys are only so. You're only so far, whereas you've got, you know, all the, you know, some of the other tier three uh, programs or clubs, not even clubs, but the other tier three leagues uh, are just scattered throughout the whole country. So how how do I get on the radar if I'm a player t- that's living here in Chicago? You reach out, right? You send an email, right? And I think that's the next big big part of this whole conversation because uh, I've seen it so much firsthand. Um, Coaches want to hear from players, right? Coaches don't want to hear from players' parents because ultimately, um, you know, when we get when we get to this upcoming September slash October, um, when I'm just going to use Blake Harlow's name, I know he's out of the league right now. Um, he's already in college, but uh, if his coach at the EHL level for the Wolves, Tim Kuhns, um, decides that for the next game Blake Harlow is not in the lineup, he's going to talk to Blake Harlow about that. He's not going to call home first to talk to that parent about you know what's taking place with the, with their son, right? So I think the more that the players can reach out and and create that interaction between themselves and the coach, that like, to get back on that radar word, that gets you on that radar and, and gets you possibly seen or followed more throughout the year. There's all like when I when I then compare the next steps, like I remember when I used to to interview for jobs before the EHL, there were things that I would t- tell myself, like during interviews, pick up on the nuances, pick up on little things that stand out. You know, uh, maybe the person that you're talking to, the coach that you're talking to mentioned that he has a, a newborn son or, or, or something like that. Right. So that when you have that next interaction and you could give that little extra note, like, Hey, hope your son is doing well, or how did that tournament go that you were telling me about for your son? It gives that personal feeling like you're listening, right? When you get that those generic emails that either go from coach to player or from player to coach, neither side's really interested, right? right? But if you can come up with something personal that catches, you know, in this case, the coach's attention, I, I think that's huge, right? You look up Tim Kuhns and you say, hey, like, you know, you're the head coach of the Wolves. I'm I'm not from the area, but I actually kind of grew up a BC fan because I became a big fan of Johnny Goudreau. Did you play at the at, at BC the same time Johnny Goudreau did? That catches that coach's attention, right? And it makes them want to answer it more than the email that says, "Hey, I'm a goalie from California. Here's my top ten saves. Look at this cool video, right?" Yeah. So, really, to to answer your question, it's to create that interaction and, and do so in a way where you get the coach's attention where he's like, you know what? 
I want to answer this kid. And you know what? I'm going to follow. Um, he has games this weekend. I'm going to check the box scores and see how he does because ultimately that's how you get on the radar and that's how you get the, the opportunity to come east and play in our league. Wow, that, uh, I, that, that sounds awfully familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I got a funny story. Um, so last week uh, before I went down to Atlanta for a, a showcase, uh, I had Tim over and we're, we're, we're talking about just some game planning for the upcoming season. And and it was uh, actually a week ago, it was on the on the 12th I had it. No, on the 11th. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'd seen a number of posts about a Quinnipiac alum in our league. And he was posting how he's the all-time leading scorer. And all credit to him. That's great. Yes. That's awesome. Uh, but I was like, there's a lot, of, lot of, a lot of posts about one particular <laughs> player, about one particular program. Yep. And I was like, well, I'm going to post on uh, April uh, April 12th is an anniversary because Tim won the national championship with yep. Boston College on April 12th, 2008. And so Tim's down here. He's having a couple of drinks, and we're talking about uh, what we're going to do for the next upcoming weeks and games and all that kind of stuff. And he was like – I was like, you mind if I post that? And he's like, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Just don't. I showed, I showed him the, the things that were in mind that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and he was like, yeah, still, I, I know what you're at, and I like it, but don't do it. Oh, it's Tim's personality too, right? He's a he's a very, very humble guy. What, but I, what I tell everyone uh, when, when talking about Tim Kuhns is he's played some of the highest level hockey of all the coaches in our league, and it's not even close, Absolutely. right? I mean, you look at some of the players that he played with at BC because those were – not to say that BC's – bad by any means right it's not the glory days of bc right but you know when he was there there were some absolute studs that were at that school and i think that's really what our what our league in particular i know this isn't all about the ehl but that's what our league has to offer right we have tremendous coaches i said earlier there's probably some college coaches that have more experience than our junior coaches but the resumes that our junior coaches have as well um those have grown and grown over the years and i think it's what makes our league extra special. Absolutely. Now what's, um, you know, in terms of success stories, you know, you've seen a lot of kids come up to you at these showcases. You've seen a lot of kids interact with you at um, different events within our league. What's a good example of a kid who may have been off the radar, um, you know, during their high school career or their year years prior to junior hockey, but then used junior hockey for a platform to get to the next level and is now achieving that next level success. What is a good example of a kid who, you know, found his way onto a roster and then made it work for him. So he is a perfect one because we're talking about CCM so much. Uh, his name is Blake Bride. Um, he's from Colorado. He attended the CCM showcase for a number of years while he was in high school. Um, it wasn't until the last year that he attended it that he finally had an offer to come east. He had Blake had no idea what the EHL was. Absolutely no clue. But he came out east and he played for the Boston Junior Rangers for a year. Um, he then, after a year at our level, went up to the NA for a year, played a full year there, then went up to the USHL for a year, wore the C. Um, it was either Sioux City or Sioux Falls. I can't believe I'm forgetting that. I think it was Sioux City. Um, and won a Clark Cup um, w- w- in the USHL, right? Um, and then went on to play Division One college hockey. Right. So you could you could make the argument that if he never attends the CCM showcase, does he go on to play college hockey? 
maybe not, right? So, I mean, he went on to play Division One at the Air Force Academy. So it's just kind of – that one's always so unique for me because he's a kid from Colorado who ended up back in Colorado at the highest level that he could. And he's going to be a captain at Air Force, right? He's one of the leaders there. Um, and, and that's a kid that truly had no idea who we were at all before before attending the CCM showcase. So th- that's one of the ones I tell the most, especially when I go out to this CCM showcase, because he was literally in the same shoes of, you could say, what, 400 players the CCM showcase puts out there every year. He was in those shoes. So that one, I have to tell that one first and foremost, because that's, that's an, an event that we've been going to for a number of years. And then the EHL, this is the second year of our combine series. Um, and obviously, you know, you go into our combines and fingers crossed, like somebody pops in a huge way where I can tell that story for years and years and years. Right. Um, there was a player last year at our combine named Jacob Gates, who was a defenseman who had played actually in a few different junior leagues before he came to our combine, which he came, walked in, said, Hey, I'm heading into my age out season. Um, I'm going to hopefully put on a good performance for the EHL coaches that are here. Um, and, and see what it leads to. And he went on to play for the ProTech Junior Ducks this past season, uh, was a first-team all-EHL selection, and is now going to play at SUNY Brockport uh, in the fall, right? So, again, you can make the case that if he doesn't attend our combine, does he end up at SUNY Brockport? Um, and I think the full circle part for me with, with Jacob Gates is um, we do this unique thing in the EHL where we play college hockey programs. Um, we put all-star teams together to play college hockey programs because the colleges want to see players play college hockey while they're still in juniors, right? The EHL is going to line up against Jacob Gates this fall. Like, that's that's, cool. that's just pretty damn cool, right? This is a kid that, you know, on a random night, um, you know, maybe it was a month ago, at, a, year, a year and a month ago at this time, you know, back March of, of 2022, said, you know what? I'm going to sign up for the EHL Combine. Hopefully I get on someone's radar uh, heading into my age-out year. Lo and behold, he's going to go play at SUNY Brockport in, you know, one of the toughest uh, Division Three conferences in the country. You know, that's, I think it's a great point. You know, it's about giving yourself sometimes a long runway. You know, if you're mm-hmm. a kid who is um, you know, maybe excelling at U16, you can play another year U16 or maybe another year U18, but giving yourself the chance to challenge yourself against Older, more mature and experienced players in a different environment makes a big difference. And you saw that with, you know, uh, Glenn Heffernan's post about the commitment numbers and how many mm-hmm. kids actually bill it before their college hockey experience. And it's what? like 90, 95 percent of kids bill it before their college hockey experience. And that really is related to um, related to playing junior hockey. Oh, uh, for sure. we, we had a great, you know, the, the player that we've been communicating with. David Melaragni, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. You know, he played three years in the Eastern Hockey League as a young kid, like 16, 17 years old. And then, you know, that provided more opportunities for him. You know, it opened up oh, yeah. opportunities to play in the BCHL and then eventually to play at Canisius and out and to the Frozen, the Frozen uh, Four, whatever it was. <laughs> I forget the, the actual yeah. terminology. The NCAA yeah. tournament this year. Yes. Yes. But, you know, if he stuck around for the year U16 and then maybe played U18, Maybe those opportunities don't exist. So it's it's kind of it's it's fun you brought up Blake Bride because he's a similar type player. And I'm glad that you brought up a, a younger kid like that because it's another question that um, I think helps when 
parents can come to me when they're they're at the CCM showcase, right? Uh, and their son's a U16, maybe even a U18 player, and they're trying to weigh the pros and cons of leaving home now, and and I'm gonna say it, missing prom, missing you know the, the, some of the senior year type things, right? and going to play junior hockey, but then it helps because they're like, hey, you know what? Uh, my son's realized that he has to take that step now. Can you help him find a team that has uh, a better chance to have a host family than living in an apartment, right? And I'll say, you know what? You look at the New England Wolves, you look at the Seahawks Hockey Club, they have more host families than, say, the New Jersey 87s, right? And it's not a shot at the New Jersey 87s, but people on the Cave and people in the Conia um, – are more willing to open up their door than someone down on the Jersey shore. Right. And, and that's where I think it goes back to the question that was brought up earlier um, is asking all of those questions. If you're a young player like that, because um, the, the longer the runway that you can give yourself, uh, the better chances you have at, at success. No, no doubt about that, Andrew. Um, but then if you're, if you're that young and you're 16, 17 years old and you're taking off for somewhere, ask every question that you can come up with. So you know what you're getting yourself into. I mean, the biggest question I tell people to ask is where am I going to sleep at night? Because that's a big thing, right? Like you want to know that you're going to have a comfortable place to live. Um, And you could ask that whether you're 16 or whether you're 20, right? But I I do love the, the, the stories of, of players like, like David that you mentioned, Andrew, who put in the years and put in the time and eventually get to where they want to get to because um, the competition to play college hockey is only getting harder and harder as the years have progressed. That's great stuff, Neil. You got anything for anything for uh, Neil Trevor? No, I mean, outside of, uh, yeah, sometimes I even ask myself that question, where am I going to end up sleeping tonight? But uh, yeah, <laughs> still to this day, but. <laughs> that's, why I didn't, that's why I didn't go to my senior Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, as I've said it numerous times, I mean, I, I you know, and this isn't to pump your guys' brakes, and I wouldn't even have cared who was on here. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, I've, I really like the EHL model. I think you guys are doing a fantastic job. Um, you guys can actually back up the claims upon the Tier 3 level that many other clubs try to back up. Uh, so, I mean, it's not to take away from anybody else, but I I do uh, you know, I do appreciate what you guys are doing and how you guys are going about it, and you guys are doing things the right way. Yeah, I mean, the, the one point I wanted to make sure I, I did bring up, uh, it's funny how many ideas you come up with and you're just, you know, what, in the shower or laying in bed at night, you know, um, we have this slogan that, you know, I'm trying to get to catch on. Um, we are the e-show, right? That's what we like to call ourselves. Um, one night I was just thinking about, you know, every player's story is so different, right? You can come from the same town and be the same age as somebody else, but your path is going to be different than, than, than somebody else's. So I love to say that when it comes to our league, uh, every story is different. We're ready to help you write the next chapter in yours. And um, we have this new T-shirt, Next Stop, the E-Show. I think that really tells everyone who we are, right? Because our league does a tremendous job of helping you write that next chapter, whatever it may be. I mean, there's younger kids that want to work up to higher levels of junior and go on to Division One. There's kids that come in and say, you know what? My goal is to go to a NESCAC school and make sure that when I get out, I have a damn good degree and a job, right? So um, I think that's really what, what it all comes down to is when you come to play junior hockey, you have a next stop in mind. Um, and I would make sure that um, throughout that process, 
you're asking everybody the right questions that's going to help you get, get to that next stop because if for some reason they're not giving you clear-cut answers, um, then your next stop should be somewhere else. And and I think I take a lot of pride in what our league does because I think that they do um, take a lot of pride themselves, each and every team, in providing the right resources for all the players. So I'll keep it up. <laughs> we'll try. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Just some guy in the Midwest. No big deal, but no, yeah. yeah. Well, great stuff, Neil. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. All right, so thanks again, Neil, for coming on the uh, the Hockey Toolkit. Uh, really great information. Trevor, what really stood out for you in terms of what he brought to the table? Uh, I mean, ne- ne- overall, Neil's just a great guy to begin with. Um, I know I met Neil probably, I want to say, actually, it would have been, uh, yeah, back in uh, 2018, I think I met him, 2019, um, in person at, again, CCM. So that's why I referenced the hat because I have that exact same hat. It was actually it was a great hat. I, I just overwore it though. Uh it looks much better on him though than it does on me. Um but uh yeah, I mean again there was just so much good information. Um I really like the aspect of not only is he, you know the commissioner of the league, but he does recruiting for the league too and he's trying to put players in the best situation possible for them. Um and it might not just be with one team, it might be with another team here and there. And I think that's you know that the ability to be flexible like that, but and, and fair. Um, you know, I think that's that's a bonus. I mean, you guys are, and I say you because <laughs> you're you play in, you're you're in the AHL, but you guys are very lucky to have a guy I, I believe uh, you know like Neil um, who does that for the players. And Neil's also you know he runs uh, he's a part of the E Show that runs weekly over also on the Hockey Focus's uh, uh, podcast platform. So. He's uh he's he's involved in all areas, so I uh I I don't envy him because I'm sure it's a very hectic and stressful uh, regular season. But I think he does a fantastic job for not only the you know the league itself, but the individual players too. Um, how about you, Coach? What do you? Uh, I mean, I, I know you're much more personable level with uh, <laughs> Neil, but uh, you, you work with him probably daily, if not you know almost every other day. Well, I, I agree with you on all those fronts, Trevor. I think you really hit the nail on the head. He's very passionate about the league. He's very passionate about junior hockey. And then he's very passionate about uh, marketing our uh, Eastern Hockey League players onto college hockey. And he's created some great events for the league that have been fantastic in terms of exposure opportunities for our players. The one thing he really, I really enjoyed about in terms of what he was communicating is that, you know, even at that EHL Combine, in, a, in, the, in this past weekend, he remembered the players who, who dressed up appropriately. You yeah. know, when they came, like when they came in there, he said this kid was wearing, you know, khakis and a polo, and that makes a big difference. He's that kid stuck out. Now, whether he, um, whether he was the best player on the ice or not, doesn't really matter because that kid got he got some heads to turn towards him, and then maybe you watched him for a little bit and said maybe well he's he's as good as. 50% of the rest of the kids at this showcase, but I know he's a good kid and I know he's a prepared kid. I know he's a kid that actually gives a shit. So I'm going to talk to that kid. So when you're, when you're you know presenting yourself in a showcase or a combine players, put your best foot forward. And I think that was a good sentiment that Neil sent out there. And I can, I can only say from my own experiences, like a player, um, you know, in anything, especially at those younger ages, like, 
it's awkward. No, some kids have a lot more swagger than I guess I did, but um, like it's awkward to be that one player who's completely, you know, dressed really nice compared to everybody else who's, you know, sitting there walking around in their, you know, their warm-ups or whatever. And especially when, you know, again, using CCM, you know, we do have that, I think it's an hour, a couple, it's like two or three hours maybe, where all the teams are up on the concourse. <clears throat> you could stop by and see us. You know, I do I do remember the players that were dressed, again, appro- like not appropriately, but were dressed well, that were taking it very seriously. Um, you know, and again, that's not easy to do as a, as a, as, again, some players have better swagger than I do, but uh, that definitely isn't something that's always easy to do. I mean, I, I know I would have felt a little bit out of place at first, but, you know, a now looking back, I mean, as a coach, looking at it in my shoes now, or as a, you know, a scout, like, and again, Neil said, you know, he remembers those kids. Um, that goes a that goes a long way, more than people realize. And so, if your parents are sitting in the car, you're listening to this on the car ride, and they're shaking their head with their head up and down, like, "Oh, see, I told you, yeah, see, yeah, it's the truth." So, um, you know, that was a great tidbit there, and uh, I, I I like that. So. Uh, again, thanks to Neil. I really enjoyed everything he had to say and the information he brought. Yeah, and there's, you know, I always think of it like, I know it's a cliche kind of, it's a job interview, but, um, you know, if, if you want to play junior hockey and you want to play at the highest level possible, you got to put in the work to be the best player. Everybody knows that. You really got to do that, though. You really have to commit yourself both on and off the ice to be the best player you can be. But then beyond that, you know, the, 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 the pyramid narrows as you get to the top. And, you know, all those other little things contribute to whether you're going to keep climbing that pyramid. Uh, are you eating the right foods? Are you are you sending out emails that are, you know, make, make you attractive to, to coaches at the next level? Are you dressing appropriately? Are you saying please and thank you? And are you accountable? You know, if you're in the lobby and you're, you know, Ma, where's the meatloaf? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I don't want to talk to you. Right, no, no way. So, Mom, the meatloaf, fuck! And if I see your parents carrying your hockey bags at a combine, you are automatically just, I don't even care. You could be the greatest kid there. You are automatically scratched off my list for sure. <laughs> <laughs> or if you got a rolling you got a rolling bag too, but I'm not going to go that far. That's another story for a different day. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, no. Matter. All the, it all it, it all adds up. Like you're getting a you're getting a brief picture of what you're going to experience for the the year if they sign with your program. So I know that like you know it's a date. It's like a date. Like if you're gonna you know like yeah you, you want somebody who's dressed appropriately who looks all right and you know I know the standards are a little different now. Kids can go to school. There's pajama day at school they can dress down a little bit it's a little bit different than it used to be but you know if you want to get recruited by an older generation coach who's in his 40s or 50s well get on his level right right no yeah i again i i don't disagree with that 100 percent. and again even i mean okay now god i gotta say i'm like my early 30s still but yeah i mean even i want to make sure you're not showing up as a you know looking like a bum looking like you just rolled out of bed you know um and again that that doesn't even have to go for any showcase you know you and i are you know i'm not at currently but in the past i was you know all year round we're always looking for players it's not just at showcases so you know when you show up for your game you know and it might be a eight o'clock game on a saturday night you know wherever you know at least look decent. Um, 
you know, hopefully at the older ages, coaches have some type of a dress code. Um, but don't be showing up again, as you said, you know, like in your pajamas or, you know, like look like you give a shit, look like you're there to play because again, you know, one of the things that stuck with me and it didn't really pay off anyways, but it stuck with me was that, uh, you know, you never know who's watching. And you literally don't. I mean, I can't tell you how many kids that I've seen that I was like, you know what? I really like that kid. I want to find out what they're doing. I'm going to eventually find out that they're oh, I'm signing with a different club anyways. But I could be at a rink and, you know, they're they're helping out with a, a clinic or they're, you know, they've got their own team practice. And I'm looking at them like, man, that kid's good. I, I want to know what they're doing, you know. And here I am. They don't even know that I, they, you know, they just saw me get done working with a bunch of, you know, 10-year-olds. And they don't know that, hey, this guy actually works for, you know, a junior team as well. Like, and he's seeing me and he's seeing me interact with the kids as well. Like, and I'm, you know, being a good role model. Like, you never know who's watching. You know, So, it, while you might hear it, and again, it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, whatever. Like, it's the truth. You really don't ever know who's watching. And before we get to our five minutes, I'll say this one thing just about that, too. Um so I had a call with the assistant coach at Long Island University. Uh, it probably was last uh, January, January 22. Uh, he was asking about a former player who played in our program, Patrick Morrison Kevix, uh, who was having a great year at, at his final year of junior hockey. And he was like, oh, yeah, I figured I'd give you a buzz. I know that you, you know, you ran, you ran the Wolves program, but I also saw that I think he worked for you. Uh, actually, I, I don't know if I should talk about this because I paid him under the table and the, I didn't report it to the government. But uh, so <laughs> we'll cut it out. <laughs> I paid him straight cash. He's a Latvian kid. So um, anyway, um, they were like, "How does he interact with the kids and parents?" I said, "Well, Patrick was great. Like, you know, he he interacted with the kids. He, he the kids like you know he's giving the kids piggybacks and they're like, oh, that's awesome. And that made a big difference in that coach's mindset of how he was off the ice and how he interacted with kids in the community." So those things do matter. They do matter. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, and again, so that those things go a long way. And again, just no matter where you are, even in life, just try to be a model citizen again, especially trying to be scouted and be watched by, you know, get picked up by team coaches talk. Trust me. There's players that we've, you know, again, at these showcases that we've talked to other coaches about and, you know, you, you hear little things like, Oh yeah, this kid, he's, he's a troublemaker. He's this or that, or, you know, they were talking about this in the locker room. I mean, even players, you know, if you're talking about some stupid shit in the locker room, it might get out. So, <clears throat> you know, again, be mindful of yourself. Again, be the best that you can be in those situations. Um, and then again, let the chips fall where they may. So, Absolutely. So let's go to our five minutes. What do we got here? Well, uh, so this week it was... Uh, you were the starter on this one, so uh, let me make sure I got mine pulled up here. But uh, it's the uh, five myths of uh, junior hockey recruiting. So you got one through uh, – you got you got the odd numbers today. Five myths of junior hockey recruiting. Uh, number one, it's a money grab. I hear this all the time from parents. Uh, they talk – it's kind of like a catchphrase. I don't even know what it means anymore. It's a money grab. Like just people just grabbing money. Just right. Right. Give me that money. Give me that money. And I don't know what that means, man. I don't know what it means. Like junior hockey, in my experience, the kids that come out of junior hockey at 20 years old are have college credits under the belt, are more physically and emotionally and mentally ready for college. Uh, I would want everybody to do an experience like that, that prepares them for life. 
And junior hockey does a great job of that. Yeah, it's it's around the framework of playing hockey, but it's a basically a, a maybe a one or two or three year internship into the rest of your life. And uh, it can develop relationships that you can use later in life. It can get you college credits or help with college credits. It can help you find an avenue or experience that maybe you want to pursue in college to be your career. Um, and sometimes to get there, you have to do things that cost money. And junior is going to cost money in many cases. Some showcases are going to cost money, but you get out what you put into it. So it's a money grab only in the in the loose framework of whatever a money grab is. In my experience, kids get paid in spades. They get they get they they make money off the deal. I think the the money grab idea is subjective for a lot of people and how they use it because I've heard it as you you know you alluded to you know it, you hear it in different you know places and different things. Do I think showing up for a kid who is a tier three level player going to a USHL slash NA, uh, you know, NA camp tryout pre pre tryout or uh, pre draft camp. Do I think that's a little bit is it a money grab? No, because you're the one who's paying for it. Um, <clears throat> you know, you got to be realistic. Um, and I'm not going to go too far with that because it's one of my myths. But uh, um, you know, one of the things though is that you know is is junior hockey recruiting? No, no. I mean, I don't I don't think it is. Um, I think, are there some shady clubs out there? We've said it before. Yes, there's some that I would not, you know, if I had kids that I knew of, uh, I would not be sending them to, uh, you know, out to those programs. But that, you know, large part, most most clubs care. They want their kids to get better. And as you said, you know, um, it's a good gap here. You know, you're, you're transitioning your, you know, your, your child, your, your young young male, uh, young adult, uh, from going from being a high school student to college. But, you know, it's, it's a little bit slower of a transition instead of it happening all in one year. And again, look at the college dropout rate. I don't know what it is. I'm going to pretend it's probably still a pretty decent number. How many kids end up, you know, flunking out first semester, you know, how many of those kids would have been better off if they went to a prep, you know, prep school type deal. And that's what junior hockey's kind of is. Um, so I, I agree with you. On, you know a lot of those aspects I do know where the parents say it's a money grab but I think it's I think the money grabs are not in the places that they're they're really saying they are and I don't think it's to the extent that they're saying and again at the end of the day it's your money so don't let anybody grab it hide that <laughs> under your pillow under a mattress wherever hide it and it's losing money if you do that interest is a, or inflation is a real a real bitch it is <laughs> <laughs> so I got uh Number two, which here, because suddenly Trevor loses his shit. Uh, number two here is uh, once you made a team, your team is over. Um, in the recruiting process itself, uh, you might get offers from numerous teams. That doesn't mean you need to stop. Like, oh, guess what? I, you know, I, I know I'm going to the second showcase, but I've already got offers from other clubs. I need to stop trying. Like, it's this is kind of a twofold uh, answer or myth. Um, no, you need to still try no matter where you are because – Maybe you're going to find yourself moving up to a higher league or a better, which is still a good fit for you. Um, so don't ever just, you know, stop while you're in those showcases when, you know, because again, you never know who's watching. Um, and again, once you made a team, like, <clears throat> great, guess what? You've made the team. Um, you know, they signed you this and that. They also have the ability to, you know, let you go. Um, 
So you need to take your training seriously in this, you know, the off season. You need to show up to camp ready to go. You need to show up to the regular season ready to go. You can't just be like, oh, guess what? I got signed by, you know, you know the the Scranton, you know, Dunder Mifflins over here. Uh, so paper, I guess Scranton Paper Kings. Yes, there you go, Scranton Paper <laughs> Kings. Yeah. So like, I don't have to try anymore. Like, no, you still need to like, put in the work. And I, there's a player that I, one of the players that I signed who came into uh, the very first – actually, yeah, the very first player that I signed uh, did a phenomenal job at the showcase that was up here in uh, the Chicagoland area. And this was, God, almost – probably almost a decade ago too. Um, one of the most talented players at the showcase. Um, not to my own horn here, but there's probably ended up a reason why we ended up getting him. Um, and, I mean, the talent was there. Um, he looked really good. Uh, but then he showed up to camp, um, and he—you could tell like he was just dicking around all, you know, fucking around all summer. Probably didn't put much time in, and you know, doing any off-season workouts or anything, and it showed. I mean, you could still see some of the talent was there, but from you know my, the reports that I got was that it took him a while to get get up, ramped up, and going. Um, and it, by that point, you know, everybody else kind of had passed him by, and he ended up getting traded. Um, you know, and hope he's doing better now, but you know, at that's that scene, you know, it was like it sucked because I was a kid that I had, you know, I brought in, and I was so you know, pumped. And I, but I, the thing was, like, the coaches could see the skill, like, we knew it was there, but it was just like, okay, well, the kid didn't really put in the effort. Well, that, shame on me, you know, and that was a lesson I learned. So, um, so that's what I have for number two there, coach. That's great. I, I and I agree with that 100%. My, my number three is. Uh, this I've heard this before. Like uh, tier three will take anyone, uh, and you know the, tier three is a wide variety of of levels. It's a wide variety of leagues, um, and I disagree entirely with that. You know, there's so many players we've come through our radar that they're not a good fit either. You know, physically they can't play at the level. Uh, mentally they're not diligent enough or ready to play. You know, practice two times a day or every single day for six, seven months, you know, uh, they don't love the game at that much. Um, so, you know, the idea that, um, there's always a team for you. I disagree with, you know, there's always a team for you. It's called men's league. You know, you have (laughs) to be, you have to be a committed, um, player who wants to have that junior hockey experience. If you want to really embrace it and get to the next level. Um, so you really got to ramp your game up. If you, if you want or coming out of high school, and you want to play junior hockey, you're going to have to step up your game. you got to be ready for that. It's a new challenge. Absolutely. And are there te- – and again, I, so the only thing that I – and I want to say it's a disagreement. We do know that there are leagues out there that have teams that will take a body just because it's a body. <laughs> and it's – you know, they need to hit a quota for their own balance sheet. Um, I'm not going to sit here and bullshit and say that that's not true. But – it's not as prevalent, I think, as people think. Um, you know, just some people are not cut. Some players are just not cut out for that, you know, junior hockey entirely. And most of the time, it's some of those kids are at that tier three level. So that's where those bad experiences, you hear about them. And it's just like, you know what? Well, maybe this just wasn't the right fit for you. Um, and the clubs that it's not the right fit for, usually they go by the wayside anyway. So, uh, all right. Number four, number four then is uh, teams will find you. I think as you know, it's talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but um, I think it's true. It's it's a myth that teams will find you um, in a sense of 
you know, let's look at it from the standpoint of, you know, if I'm not in a rink and there's no other junior coaches or scouts or whatever in a rink, no one's going to find you. Okay. Um, you know, you've got to put yourself out there. We've talked about email communication. That's huge for coaches. Um, because you know, no, we'd love nothing more in the off season to be sitting at our laptops all day long answering emails. But uh, also, you know, just it's you got to go out and do these showcases and combines. And I'm not saying you need to attend five, six, seven of them because I do. I, I know, we know of players that do that. And again, you know, part of that could that money could be saving for your upcoming season with one of the teams you got an offer from. Um, but it's more or less just making sure that um, you know you, you put yourself out there, um, and then when you go to some of these camps, you know, like you go to CCM, you go to Global, wherever, um, you might get noticed by a bunch of teams, um, and that's not a bad thing, you know. And if you're getting hit up and they're sending you legit emails like, "Hey, we really liked you," and they're they're calling you, like, don't ignore them. Like, you know, the worst thing you can say is, you know you're not going to hurt our feelings as coaches, as scouts. Um, if you say, Hey, you know what? I appreciate the offer, but I've been offered this. I've, I'm, I'm going to sign with this team. Not we, are, <clears throat> I don't know about you coach, but I just, I would hate where kids would give us the runaround and then they would literally just ghost you and just not respond to a certain thing. Um, or you'd be having phone conversations with them and all of a sudden they're not picking up and they just text you on the side, oh, I decided to go with so-and-so team like two weeks ago. It's like, well, I'm wasting my time, you know, trying to get a hold of you and, you know, that I could be working with a player who really wants to join our program. Um, and maybe that's just me going off on another tangent of its own. It's a uh, tangent-filled uh, Wednesday night here. Um, <clears throat> but uh, more or less, <laughs> you, you do have to put yourself out there. Um, having good quality, you know, game tape. Uh, coaches will ask because if we don't see you in person, we're going to want to see something of you. We're not going to just want to take your word for it. No offense. We'd love to trust everybody, but we can't. Um, so again, having like good quality, you know, shifts, even, you know, even if you, you give me a game or two that I have to look up fine, if you're worth it, great. Um, but you will have to do some work. It's, it's practice train, like somebody might, you know, you might get seen, um, but definitely put yourself out there so that you do get seen, though, too. I agree with you. I think that it's, a, you know, there's a happy medium. If you have to, you know, if you, if, you, if you want to get to the next level, you have to invest time, energy, and resources into training, developing, and making your game better. Like, you have to invest those dollars in that or that time in that. Um, but you should also put yourself in situations that can be seen and places like Elite Edge or CCM or great combines or, or showcases for that. There is on the other end, though, if you're always training and playing these showcases all summer, you're not necessarily devoting as much time to your training regimen and your body as you need to be. So there's a happy medium you got to find there. Um, you know, and it's just it's I think it's you know pick one or two out of the uh, out of the um, the schedule in the summer. Find a good fit, something that's maybe cost you know they're not cost prohibitive to your parents, but it requires an airline or a flight and hotels. And then make it work and put you on your best best foot forward for sure. I think player the big thing is be realistic. Yeah. Um, you know, you've done it. I've heard it. I, it's one of the things that I would frustrate me the most when I go and talk to a kid. Like, hey, what are your plans for you know this upcoming fall? And here I am. I'm working with a tier three program, and I'm hearing, yeah, I'd really like to go to a null. You know, I, I really want to play in the null next year or this and that. And it's like, look, buddy, if I'm the one talking to you, 
they're not. Most of the time, no one else is. Like, there's a reason why it's me on this tier three team who's talking to you and not, you know, the an NA team or an NCDC team or whatever or a USHL team. Like, be realistic, you know. So, um, that's all I got. Yeah, I'm gonna shut up now. Uh, yeah, next caller. <laughs> no, that's all. All good. All good. I agree with you, Trevor. I agree with you. All right, my fifth so what do you one got for number five? We're probably going to hit on this one because we've already already skirted around the issue. <laughs> Sorry, uh, a little bit. No, it's it's perfect. So, tier tier two pre draft camps, they get you on the radar. Oh yeah, they do right. To get drafted right. This is one of those episodes where we should. It would be awesome if we were just had a video so people could actually see our deadpan looks. <laughs> It's just this time. awkward silence. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I guess, like, what what's your radar? Like, there's 600 <laughs> kids here. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, and then you got four more camps after this one? Yeah. Okay. No. And I always would I, I tell, sometimes, you know, I've had these conversations with kids, and they've tell me what they've spent on tier two or tier two camps all summer. Uh, you know, I'll get frustrated at a certain point. I, I, we all have our limits, right? And I'll, sometimes I'll be like, well, you do realize that all the money you worked for and spent went to go towards somebody else playing for free. Right. Yeah. That's, that's it. And this might be where people say the money grab is, which, but that's not, because of the clubs themselves, you put yourself in those situations. Now, the clubs sitting here selling you, oh yeah, we're gonna take your kid, and then they don't. And <clears throat> legitimately, your kid's not doesn't even belong at that level. Fine, that's a money grab. Fine, that's shady. But <clears throat> how many coaches, how many teams can you actually sit here and say do that? Like, I can't think of that money. I can't either. I mean. You just you're just you're just feeding somebody else's opportunity, really. You know, I mean, there's and kids. We, uh, you know, I, I, we we could get really deep dive on it, but there there's kids that you know you know we've had in our program for two three years, and they go three or four camps every single summer, and it's thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars. Like, yeah. man, you know, <laughs> hope, yeah. I hope your sister's not getting married soon, buddy. Like, <laughs> yeah, she's not gonna be able to. Like they're, they're gonna have to, McDonald's is going to be catering that that wedding, you know. <laughs> yeah, sorry, we we couldn't have this at a a decent venue. We've got to have it here at the Outback. <laughs> yeah, my, my brother so, thought he sorry, was going to make friendlies is open. <laughs> yeah, my, my brother thought he was going to make it on the national championship tier two team, but yeah. uh, he doesn't. My my parents thought he'd make it there, but I mean. Y- y- we we laugh and we say these things, but we have it with good intentions because we see it year after year. Um, and again, I think that comes back to being realistic of where you're at as a player. Um, <clears throat> and neither Coach Trimble or I want to shoot anybody's dreams down or anything of that nature because you know what's you need dreams, you need goals, but you need to also be realistic with those dreams and goals too, to a certain extent. And if you're chasing camp after camp after camp, like teams aren't going to tell you no if they need the roster spots. Like they're not going to say, okay, no, you can't show up. But 
you're not doing yourself a favor if after like okay if you do one or one great you know just to see where you're at i'm all for that but if you're doing like three or four in a summer like all right well you know you're a glutton for punishment because there's no, or, or your dad's Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates or something like that because I don't know how the hell these parents can afford all this stuff. And my favorite line is, well, you know, it's his dream. It's it's his dream to do this. Well, yeah, my dream was to play, you know, in the NHL or to have a goal, uh, you know, a toilet seat made of gold. But you don't see that happening. So, you know, I had to uh, somehow shrink my goals a little bit here. I think I think Coach Power said it best last week. He said, you know, go out. You know, I forget the first one, but the second one was dominate. If you are, if you're dominating whatever, yeah, if you're dominating whatever level you're at, then you gotta, you gotta crack. But if you're like under a point a game player and you're a mid-level, you know, a middle six forward who, you know, is just struggling to, you know, stay in the lineup, then the next level's not, you're not ready for the next level. You need, you need to dominate the level you're at before you can investigate those new opportunities. Right. 100%. I mean... It's a it's one of those things though that not enough people want to talk about, not enough people want to put out there, I think. And again, you know, sometimes we it feels like we have to be the bad guys, and I don't want to be the bad guy here. I don't want to ruin a kid's his hopes and his dreams, but again, you got to be realistic. Like as you said, if you're not playing on the power, you know, on any special teams, you're in and out of the lineup here and there. What, what makes you why would I as a coach at a higher level? What makes me what makes you attractive to me? Like what? There's nothing. You've got nothing right now that is making me if one coach doesn't trust you it's not like all of a sudden i'm gonna say and be like oh that coach is wrong like i'm not i'm not gonna probably waste my time like i don't know i think it's it's silly season you know it's one of the two seasons of the year uh that in the beginning of the season (laughs) for at least youth hockey tryouts i call silly season because right now everybody you know the junior landscape just because there's so many teams out there um you know so many leagues Everybody's fighting for, you know, you can have six, seven, eight different teams fighting for one kid. And they're going to sell you their soul just to get you on the team, which might be, might be, might save that for another day, you know, kind of what to look for and what not to. Maybe, hell, maybe that could be next episode. But uh, just realize that uh, Coach Trimble and I are here to not kick you and run over your puppy. Uh, We're here to, you know, we're just here to educate and trying to make sure everybody gets uh, the best possible experience that, you know, you should get. So, um, absolutely. Anything you want to say, Coach, before we uh, sign off here for uh, episode thirteen? No, I think that was a good one. I think it's a lot of information for parents. I think it's a you know a good chance to digest uh, this information. Uh, the last two episodes really, in, in, as, as it prepares for going into the summer and those showcases, and it gives you a good kind of glimpse behind the curtain of uh, what some of those programs look like, whether it be the college hockey recruiting landscape or the junior hockey recruiting landscape. Absolutely. So, uh, again, you guys ever got questions, comments, concerns, please feel free to reach out to Coach Trimble and I. Uh, Contact information is in the show notes, though I'm sure you can find us anywhere uh, on Google or any other thing. I'm sure we've got our information somewhere. Uh, But, uh, yeah, episode 13 now in the books. So, uh Thanks for listening. Coach, you have a good weekend. You too, Trevor. Thanks for tuning in, folks.